Hello, hello, everybody. I am so glad you're joining me. I think there's a chance this might actually be episode 70. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't know. But welcome back to Beyond Weight Loss for Dentists. I am your host, Dr. Natanya Brown, endodontist and life coach. And today you're in for a treat because we've got Dr. Laura Brenner joining us today. Yay! Say hello. Hi, Natanya. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you here. Um, You know, I was kind of thinking back to a handful of years ago when I reached out to you for the first time. And I think at that point, I already knew I was like branching out of dentistry. And I'm sure you've heard this from a bunch of people, but I really want to say this to you. Like you're such an inspiration um, for those of us that are you know, looking beyond the operatory walls, like, you know, what is there in life besides drilling and filling when, once you become a dentist, right? So I, I'm really grateful that you, um, accepted to be on this podcast and I'm, I'm pretty excited about our conversation. Um, thank you so much. That's so sweet of you to say. And I actually remember I remember talking to you. I remember where I was sitting in my house when I was talking to you. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just right over there, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So good. Yeah. I, I hope that that was memorable for a good reason. Maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. No, we had a great conversation. I probably have notes that I took about you, too. Or actually, maybe when when I realized that you were like, going to become, you already had done your certification and it was just so so fun to connect with somebody who, who is like-minded. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, so I guess before we get started for all of our listeners out there, I I do want to just kind of read the bio, uh, your bio so that everyone kind of knows a little bit about you. Um, So I'm going to read it here for just a second. All right. So everybody pay attention. This is um, Dr. Laura's bio. Okay, so after dreaming of becoming a dentist her whole life, Dr. Laura Brenner learned that dentistry wasn't a match for her. She practiced for 10 years before leaving clinical dentistry to become a blogger, a speaker, and a certified professional coach. Now, this is the good part. After her blog post, 10 Reasons Your Dentist Probably Hates You Too, After that went viral, she began connecting with dental professionals around the world who wanted more from their careers. This inspired her to create Lola B's Career Coaching to guide dental professionals in designing their careers on their terms so they can plan, create, and live joyful, balanced lives. Um, I I love your bio. I love, you you know, your kind of condensed story, so to speak. Um, I always feel a little awkward reading bios, but I just wanted to make sure that I'm being thorough and don't like overlook anything because I really think it's super important um, for all our listeners to kind of understand, um, you know, kind of got what got you to where you are today. And um, I'm actually just going to dive in with my first question because the blog post is always going to be an interesting one to talk about. So um, for those of you that are listening that have no idea what I'm talking about, as I mentioned, just reading the bio, Dr. Laura um, um, had written a blog post, the 10 reasons your dentist probably hates you too. And so tell us more about it. Like, we just want to hear. Yeah. Like, how did you get inspired to write this? Oh my gosh. That was like one of those life-changing events, you know, where like, like you look at life and one small action can just change everything. 
Um, and that, that's what that blog post was. So it was in 2011. Um, I had just crazy that it's been that long. Crazy, right? And it was interesting because it was at a time when, you know, now a lot of people, luckily, thank God, we're talking about the pains of dentistry and, and you know, burnout. And people were wanting to leave and career change and branch out. But at the time, truly, like 2011, think back, like nobody was talking about this at that time. Yeah. And um, it was very isolating for me. And so what happened was, you know, I was very stuck in my career. Um, I practiced for 10 years. I, in year three, decided that I hated it. And then through the next seven years of my career, kind of like waffled back and forth. You know, I rode the roller coaster of having mediocre highs where I was like, yeah, you know, I'm so lucky to have this career and I'm so lucky to have a job and other people aren't so lucky all the shoulds. Right. Um, and then I had a lot of lows, a lot of lows where I just didn't think I could make it through. So, um, in year seven of 10, I really started making an effort to leave and, and it took me a while because as you know, we're very committed to this. We're committed to this work. It's like a marriage. And so ultimately when I left in my 10th year of practice, I, I started, I had, I had started blogging. Actually, you know, it's funny, Natani, even before I started blogging, I was so stuck. And my husband saw this article in the newspaper that was about entering this travel show host contest on online on this like travel website. And if you won, you could like win this six month gig where you could travel around the world. And then at the end, you could win this like vacation home somewhere. Okay. And he was like, you should enter this. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not good. I'm not like good on camera. I'd never spoken in front of anyone at the time, you know, nothing. I, I was like, there's no way. And then I was like, you know what? Like, I am just complaining and not doing anything. So I need to shift my energy. And I entered the contest and I didn't win, uh, but I had a great time. And from that, I realized that I liked food and travel. So I decided to blog. Well, nobody read my blog. And then I, but the blog was like very pivotal for me learning how to really see the world differently. Like I was able to just kind of, I, I just became really aware and I and noticed what was going on around me because I had to always come up with these blog posts. So I just started seeing things differently. And that really was like a turning point in helping me find a way to change. Okay, sorry, I'm making this so long, aren't I? <laughs> this is fascinating. Keep going. <laughs> um, it just shows how like we don't always take a direct path from A to B, do we? So um, yeah, so I um, decided to start a blog. Like I was really, even though I didn't think I would win this contest, it gave me a little bit of hope. And I got really depressed when it ended. So I was like, I need to turn these lemons into lemonade. And so I started blogging about food and travel and nobody was reading it. And then one day, oh, okay. So I saw that, I'm um, kind of backtracking on the story. I saw that uh, there was this post titled 10 Reasons I Hate the Dentist. And it was this 20-year-old woman whose mom was a hygienist and she was being sarcastic and playing around and and 
anyone who's a blogger out there would know there's this um, WordPress had this community where they would feature like noteworthy blogs every day. And they featured her blog. It was called Freshly Pressed on WordPress. And I was like, what is this? And and it was funny because, you know, well, I, I so what was funny to me is that like, it's acceptable for the media to make fun of dentists, mm. right? Like this young woman wrote this post and this whole blogging platform was like, this is a great post. And it was totally making fun of, you know, the things that annoy patients, like when you talk and ask questions when our mouth is open, stuff like that. It was silly. Yeah. But right, like, is it yeah. okay for, like, this is great media content that we're making fun of dentists, right? Oh, totally. And, and and it seems like basically everybody has some, if not joke, then then some, like, deprecate, like, something against dentists that they are happy to chime in with, right? Like, you know, yeah, for sure. Always, always. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, okay. So I was like, all right, 10 reasons you hate the dentist. Well, here's 10 reasons your dentist probably hates you too. <laughs> and I sat down and wrote this blog post and replied to it. Um, but I was still practicing and I was like, you know, I know no one reads my blog, but just in case, like, I'm going to wait and not publish this. Mm-hmm. And, and that was in August in November, I quit dentistry for good. And I was like, all right, I'm bringing out this draft of this blog post. And I had the, I was like the evil person, like rubbing my hands together with the evil laugh, like, ha, 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 ha. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys can't actually, for those of you listening, you can't see us do that. <laughs> yeah, we both doing. just did this cruel chuckle with our hands together. Ha ha ha. Eyebrows <laughs> raised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was how I felt. And it was, it felt so good. It was this release and I made this post and then I published it. And that night it went viral. Like within three days, 300,000 hits, over 50,000 shares on Facebook. Um, And I was getting messages from people all over the world, not just dentists, hygienists, dental assistants, spouses of dentists, children of dentists that were like sticking up for us collectively. Um, And so, and then it was amazing. And then also people saying to me, wow, you quit dentistry. How did you quit dentistry? I want to quit too. I hate it. Like, and so that was really eye-opening for me because at the time, 2011, you would probably agree. Like you, I thought I was the only one. Yeah. And so to realize that there were so many other people that shared some similar things, it was suddenly this major aha moment where I was like, whoa, okay, this is a thing. Yeah. And this is something I can talk about. So I started blogging about my journey into and out of dentistry. And I went from having six readers to, you know, small group. I mean, I had a couple hundred people that were consistently following my blog and then the rest is history, I guess. That's so amazing. I absolutely love it. And, you know, while you're, as you were telling that story, one of the things that kind of struck me was, um, you mentioned something along the lines early on in the story about how, like, you know, you wanted to focus on being grateful and this is a great career. And, you know, a lot of times um, we, you know, 
those of us that have considered leaving dentistry or or anything for that matter, if not dentistry, there's that that thought of like, but I should just be really grateful and 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 that gratitude should mean I should just be happy with what I have and not seek something else and just sort of like, you know, just stick with what you got, right? And then also, I think you kind of touched on like, obviously, it's a lot of money and time to become a dentist, right? So I think these are themes that are so common because we kind of have that, well, I like to use the economic term, that sunk cost fallacy, right? I I can see you sh- nodding your head. And for anybody that's not familiar with that, it basically just means like, you know, you've already spent the money sticking with it doesn't actually mean that you're going to get any more value out of it actually. <laughs> but right. that could be the thought that you should stick with it forever because that's the only way to get your money's worth. Right. And, but like in your case, if you're miserable, like, thank God you didn't just listen to thoughts of like, um, oh my gosh, I've spent so much money or time de- you know, devoting myself to this profession that was, you know, potentially just not the right fit for you. Right. Yeah. Well, I really had no choice. Um, I was miserable enough and unhappy enough that it, I mean, it even got to a point where my husband was like, you need to sort this out. Like, I can't listen to you complain every day. You know, you can't come home crying every day and waking up at 2am with insomnia. And then the next day feeling awful about it, it puts you in this cycle where you feel so right. So I had no choice, but to your point, um, my friend Laurel Gans, who works, um, she is a has a really great non clinical career with uh, United Dental Brokers of America. She uh, basically is their uh, business development person. I don't know what her exact title is, but she's clinical dentist, totally out of dentist, totally out of clinical, but still in dentistry. Her she she has this quote that her mother said to her, and she said. Don't turn a four-year mistake into a 40-year mistake. Mm, That's beautiful. Isn't it? I love it. Yeah, Yeah, totally. And it it applies to so much, right? It's, you know, just, yeah. Everything. I mean, could apply to relationships. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, What I also found really interesting was how you mentioned, you know, like you were still you had written the blog post, but you were still practicing. You hadn't quit yet. And like kind of that feeling, maybe for you, it would have felt like shame or, or something similar, like some variant of shame to be putting that out there while you're still practicing or like, you know, maybe, Oh, who's going to see this potentially. Do you think that's what you were thinking about? I love your point. There was a ton of shame in the overall process for me. Um, but in that instance, it was what it highlights is how much we all still care about our patients. Mm-hmm. It was, I didn't want my patients to feel alienated or I didn't want, part of it was, I didn't want to get in trouble. Like I didn't want them to think that I was hating them because mm-hmm. it wasn't really hating them. Right. Those are people who I had relationships with, who I did care about this hating our patients is very much like, you know, the collective, all the difficulties and also the ones who are difficult, right. The ones who make our lives really miserable um, because we know they exist. And I just was, I think it just would speak to how conscientious as dentists, even if we're in a lot of pain doing this work, we're still always putting our patients first. 
Yeah, you really are. Like no one I know, and it, I like to point it out because I think it's a misconception that people might have is that if you are unhappy practicing dentistry, you're doing a bad job. Hmm. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And I, I would say that the people, um, a lot of the people who are really struggling, they're doing such a good job. They're over serving. They're working so hard to make everything great for everyone that it's crushing them. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Well, so, so tell me a little bit about, um, you know, for you, when you identified that you were feeling burnt out and that dentistry wasn't a good match, it sounds like you had noticed this several years before actually quitting. Once you did actually quit, like, what did that, like, do you feel like it was like, an instant cure, like walk me through, how was that for you? Oh, that's such a great question. In a way, it was an instant cure. In a way, it was like, well, and this is kind of funny too, because it took years to make it an instant cure. (laughs) You know what I mean, right? Like it was years of, I worked with a career coach. I worked with a, um, therapist. I read personal development books. It was years of trying to change myself and my mindset so that I could let go of it. And then when I let go, yes, there was such an instant relief. It was like 10 years. I looked back on 10 years and I just, it was like, I could breathe again. It was like that weight that was crushing me, pushing down on my shoulders was just gone. It was lifted. Right. Um, and it felt amazing. And I realized that I really had uh, about probably a decade of, I call it a low grade chronic depression. Mm. Um, I didn't even know it because I'm so good at hiding that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know it. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, so that was the really, but it wasn't like all of my problems went away. So that's why I love that question because there's still a grieving that you have to go through yeah. when you leave this career. Yeah. No matter how much you prepare yourself for it, it's like a divorce. Yeah. Right? And you still just need to um so so it's like there's a set of pains that happen when you're in it and then when you leave there's a different set of pains, but those pains are something you you can work through them and they were worth it. Mm. It was worth going through that because, um, nothing felt as bad as what I describe as that weight on my shoulders for an entire decade of like, I really just didn't feel, I I was like, Oh my gosh, I feel like myself again. Mm. Yeah. And I think I find it so interesting that you're acknowledging like you weren't aware of having like this low grade depression during that period of time. And I think I'm guessing a contributing factor to that was that, you know, we, at least as healthcare professionals, we're really taught to sort of ignore how we're feeling. And basically it's like, we're these robots that can just produce dentistry and our needs don't matter. So we just suppress you know, whatever it is that we're really feeling, especially something that might be negative. And, and so I'm kind of wondering though, um, 
how, how did you, I mean, obviously you, you mentioned you went through, you know, therapy and you worked with coaches. How, how did you finally figure out that like, Hey, this isn't something that's going to be fixable with a therapist and with a coach. I mean, I can imagine they must've helped you to come to that decision. And then kind of an add on uh, question would be like, for somebody listening, how would they know if they're feeling burnt out? How would they know if it's like fixable burnout versus not fixable? Like this is, yeah. 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 Um, okay. So I'll start out by saying that, and this is fascinating to me because I think this, what you just mentioned of like, we don't listen to ourselves. I think it's a way of coping. I think it's a way of like, okay, I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone or whatever that phrase is. And I'm going to work my way through. Right. And if I don't look up, just put on my blinders and work and I'm going it, to, it's going to be fine. Right. And that's how I'm going to survive. Um, fine. Fine. It's all fine. It's just nothing but fine. <laughs> totally. <laughs> no, it's not so fine. It's not. And it's, that's not sustainable. Right. And we do that. I think we do that because when we truly listen to ourselves, if the answer isn't convenient, meaning if the answer is like, wow, I actually do need to change careers, that is very inconvenient after you've invested your whole identity, money, your whole life, everything into this. And so um, I think we just keep ignoring our intuition and our gut feelings. And when we do that, they just keep reminding us every day. So what I would say for others is if you still get that nagging feeling that no matter what you do, I went to the Panky Institute, Natanya, you know, like I went there four times to try to like create this dental life that was going to be so great. And I loved being there. I loved the learning. But when I went back into the office it, it, you know, so that's quite an investment. Like I put a lot into when you invest a lot into it and you then that nagging feeling keeps coming back. Like, mm, I actually don't like this. Um, that's your intuition reminding you that there's something needs to change. Yeah. Right. And I think that when we like, it's the, yeah, it's almost like the, yeah, buts. it's the, the comma, but like when you say something, simple sentences, like short, simple sentences are usually your truth. When you add the comma, but like, oh, I don't really want to do dentistry, but I should feel lucky to have a job. Yeah. Or, but it's such a great income. Like Mm -hmm. it's that, but that's coming in the way that's getting in the way that's like taking us away from what's true for us. So I think it's like really listening to what is your comma, but you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what is that saying? And, and just getting real with yourself. Mm. Um, and then to answer it, maybe how you would know, um, one of the things I've learned, and this is okay. I think you're going to, I think there's, I'm sure you're going to relate to this on some level. Like I burn myself all out all the time now. Do you do that? What, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like at work, I burn myself out. Like, we're, oh. like as in my business, as the coach in my coaching business, I burn myself out all the time because I work so much. And, and, the, and what do you say that looks like specifically like hours that you're actually working? It It is, it is hours that I'm actually working. Yes. 
Because, yeah. you know, when you work from home, yeah. like you don't leave the office and yeah. turn it off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So Plus I'm always like the end of the day, I'm like, oh, if I just get one more email done, it won't be, I won't have to do it tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And then I'll be more freed up tomorrow. Yeah. Things like that. So I yeah. think that worker bee within us that makes us high achievers, that makes us want to be dentists in the first place totally. is still a part of us. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and it, it's interesting that you mentioned that just as a quick aside, because uh-huh. I, you know, I think it's easy for dentists to have a tendency to potentially overwork thinking, you know, like maybe I'm afraid I'm not going to pay the bills or meet overhead, or if only I can work so much, then I'll be able to justify an associate or I will pay the practice loan or whatever. There's always kind of like the, like that motivation to try to produce more and more and more. Right. Um, and, and whether or not you're in love with the profession, And so then I'm just looking at, you know, you and me, obviously we're coaches. I adore what I'm doing. And so for sure that, that touches on like, okay, it's really important to have appropriate boundaries because it absolutely could turn into like, I'm just going to work whenever all the time, because I really truly love what I'm doing and it doesn't always feel like work. And yet that's not always the healthiest thing either. Right. Um, so yeah, I can totally, totally relate with that. I mean, I left dentistry, I would say for slightly different reasons, but not totally unrelated reasons. Right. Oh, so, Oh, right. Well, well, the part I'm thinking that you would relate to is burning yourself out as a yeah. coach. Yeah. Cause yeah. everybody I know who is a coach or has their own business, we all have this discussion where we're like, I burn myself out all the time. Right. And, and you think, Sometimes like maybe if I leave dentistry, I won't ever feel burnout. Right. Yeah. And to your point, it's not just actually the amount of work you're doing. It's sometimes even the constant thinking about the work that can burn us out. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a really important point that, I mean, we don't have to really super get into it, but just that notion of, you know, the amount of hours correlates with burnout. And that's really not true because you have some people that are working five, six, seven, I know seven days a week that actually are totally happy with it. Not a problem. Sure. They might get tired on occasion, but it's just not a problem. And other people like, uh, you know, I was working part-time the majority of my career. Um, and I know plenty of other people that maybe are working two, three days a week and they feel really burnt out. So, you know, Yes, there are people that tell you, okay, scale back, go on vacation, do X, Y, and Z. And for sure, those things can be helpful. Um, But I think to your point, you know, a a lot of the way burnout is created is like in our minds, how we're processing the stress from the workday or lack thereof. And, you know, the hamsters that are continuing to run around in our mind, even when we've uh, you know, left the office and, you know, it's time to go to bed and we're still up ruminating over a patient, for example. Right. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I learned from my own burnout, well, to even go back is like, I didn't know actually in 2004, when I said, I declared to myself that I hated dentistry, I didn't know that that was actually burnout. Um, and in 2019, I was preparing for 
right before COVID happened and burnout talks got really, really popular, but it was getting popular in 2019. I was preparing for a presentation I was doing on burnout and I was researching it and I was like, oh my gosh, every sign and symptom of burnout is what I I felt when I was in practice. And it was really interesting years later to go, okay, I was actually burnt out and I had no idea because one, no one was talking about burnout in 2004. Yeah. And two, um, I thought I was too young. Here's another thing, not just the hours. I thought I was too early in my career to be burnt out. Like I'd have to be doing this for 20 years to feel burnt out, not three. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember specifically being, you know, gaslit, you know, talking to certain people and they'd be like, there's no way you could be burnt out. Right. Totally. You haven't been practicing 35 years. Exactly. So, so then I started going, okay, well, like if I were burnt out, maybe could I have saved my career? Hmm. You know, like maybe if I knew that it was burnout and, and so then I started comparing that burnout with the burnout that I deliberately do to myself now. Um, and they're totally different. Hmm. So I started thinking about just like in dentistry, they say that we need to find the right diagnosis if we want to create the right treatment plan for our patients. I was like, these are two different burnout. Like no one's really pointing out that like, these are two different burnout diagnoses. And Hmm. one is burnout when you love what you do. And one is burnout when you hate what you do. So interesting. Isn't it? It's like mind blowing when I was like, oh, and And so the thing is, like, if you're burnt out and you love or even like what you do or even tolerate what you do, then there's a certain treatment plan. And that is taking breaks, self-care, meditating, yoga, exercise, vacations, right? That treatment plan does not work for the person who's burnt out and hates their career. Yeah. So- If you're burnt out and you hate what you do, instead of going on a vacation and feeling reinvigorated and energized when you come home, and by the way, no one ever wants to come home from vacation. Let's just say that. (laughs) Right. Let's just normalize that. (laughs) Totally. Like, but there's a difference. Yeah. You can still feel, come home feeling re-energized to get back to work. When you hate your career and you're burnt out and you go on vacation, like on day two of seven, you're already worried and you come home actually feeling worse. Yeah. Right. Because you, um, you wish like, you know, that you're coming back to your life Yeah, that you're hating. And so sometimes you even think maybe I shouldn't go on vacations because it feels so bad coming home. Yeah. Yeah. So totally different treatment plan for that burnout diagnosis. Yeah, that's a really, really important distinction. And and I think kind of, you know, um, responding to what you had said earlier, um, you'd kind of touched on, you know, listening to your gut feeling, because this isn't like, it's not like somebody can tell you and like, look at you from the outside and say, oh, right, okay, this is what's going on, right? It's, it's really a matter of listening to that inner voice. And I think, I think especially when we're caught up in seeing patient after patient after patient jumping from op to op or whatever, it's sometimes just really hard and challenging for us to slow down long enough to really listen and ask ourselves, like, what is it that I need right now? It's the end of the day. I'm feeling really stressed out. And, um, 
you know, how can I really take care of myself? What are my needs? And what is my gut feeling actually telling me, right? Like cultivating that true, like, uh, um, uh, like great relationship with your intuition. Yes. Right? I think yes. for a lot of us, we just think, well, you know, th- this is, this is my degree. This is how I make money. End of story. There's just no, no thought process there. Right. Instead of really sinking a level deeper and asking, you know, what, what is working? What isn't working? What do I want to change? How, how do I want to go about making some changes? And to be perfectly clear, like, I, I think I'm sure you would agree to this uh, obviously is that like, you know, for some of us, the answer will be a total career change. And for some of us, the answer is going to be like, you know, let me reconfigure some things with my current, the, the, the way that I currently practice so that I can really optimize my happiness and my well being, And, you know, and that really, um, you know, is to the benefit of everybody. It's not selfish. You know, when we show up and we feel fulfilled and happy with what we're doing, we're only going to bring out the best in other people. We're going to show up with a lot less resentment, <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and, and if you, you know, like you said, if you, it's hard to listen to yourself, right? And I do think that's a protective mechanism that if we can just put our heads down, like I said earlier, put the blinders on, not listen to what we really want. It just makes it easier. We can make everyone else happy and and we'll get the job done and we'll be good, right? Then we'll get everything we want. Um, So if you're not comfortable listening to yourself, like one is there are ways you can practice listening to yourself, you know, Um, but also you could go through the treatment plan for what it takes to help someone who's burnt out and likes what they do. Yeah. And you go through the treatment plan and if it doesn't work for you, then you have your answers. Yeah. It's like a little diagnostic test, right? Yeah. Exactly. I'm sort of thinking about it. Like, of course, me and Adonis, like, okay, if, you know, diagnostic tests for endo, right? Like one of the tests that rarely is done, but on occasion when you really need it, it's like, okay, I can't tell if it's an upper or lower tooth. I'm going to go ahead and just numb the upper quadrant and see if the pain goes away or if it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then it's coming from the bottom, right? Yeah. (laughs) So like what you're describing is basically like, Hey, here's a handful of like diagnostic tests that you can do for yourself, right? Like go on vacation, reduce your hours, hire an office manager, whatever, all, you know, customary, you know, things are that could theoretically be helpful, you know, make sure you're getting eight hours of sleep, drink your water. Right. And if you're not feeling work with coaches, work with therapists, right. I, I don't even mean to leave that for last, but like, <laughs> that's probably first. You yeah, exactly. And, you know, these, these are different options, right. Where, and, and slow down to the point where you're really able to listen to your gut feeling, your intuition. What is, what is, uh, that inner voice telling you? And then these are your diagnostic tests and let that be your compass for how to move forward. Right. Yeah. Because if none of that works, then the, the burnout cure is a career change. Yeah. Now for some people, it might even be starting a side gig. You know, I love side gigs, right? Starting yes. a side gig. And- Talk to me about that. Talk to me about, I mean, this is amazing for some of our, our listeners, they may not know, um, but you have an amazing Facebook community for people, for dentists that are interested in starting a side gig. Um, huge. It's a big community. How many people are in there now? So we're at 5.1 K. 
That's amazing. Amazing. That's pretty darn awesome. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like what, what are, you know, what are some of the reasons, what do you think compels a lot of people? I'm sure there's a lot of different reasons for sure. Um, but what are some of the most common reasons you see for people like joining and and intrigued to start? Right. Yeah. So I designed the group because I felt like people like me are totally not represented in dentistry. Like if you go to lectures or, um, events, everyone's always like talking about like all the, which rightly they should, the positivity. And like, sometimes if you are feeling a lot of pain in this career and people are like, Oh, you know, you should go on a mission trip and you'll feel, you'll fall in love with dentistry again because you'll get to be of service. Right. And if you're that person who's like, I'm in so much pain doing this work that going on a vacation to actually do more of it does not sound appealing at all. You just feel left out. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so I really created it so that I could represent people like me who like, we care about people. We are people who are, we like to be of service um, when it's, appropriate. Like we don't want to be, we almost give too much and to be honest, and that's a whole different discussion, but like, or people who like, we like people, but we don't like the dynamics of the dentist patient relationship. So, or we just don't like dentistry or we want, whatever it is, I just wanted to represent that. So initially it was to be for people who wanted career change because the only, the best way for dentists to create career change is to start a side gig because that way you don't have to throw away everything you've already invested in this career and you can um, do something, build that up. Once that gets built up, then you can safely leave without walking off the career cliff. Right. Um, but ultimately, you know, there are a lot of people who, who want to leverage the income that we get in dentistry to create more income to maybe design their futures differently maybe work two days a week, three days a week, and then do something on the side. I mean, even if you like dentistry, for some people doing the same thing every day for 20 years is going to make anyone feel bored. Yeah. Right. So if you have a side gig, it just gives you that different engagement. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So that's really what it's for. It's for either people who want career change or people who just want variety, more fun. Yeah. Um, something different, less time in the chair. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So good. And it's such a supportive network, right? Like, so supportive community people are in there for, like you said, for various different reasons. And yet there's that common goal of like, we are bottom line, we are more than just dentists, right? Yes. Yes. And, and also like, I have been that person who has been kind of attacked in, um, other forums for saying like, well, I got in trouble for saying that leaving dentistry was like leaving a cult. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I know that's a bit instigatory. (laughs) I love it. So good. This was on a very popular dental website. Um, and (laughs) they like, let me have it. Like they were like, 
it was like the word police came out and they, you shouldn't use those words. And they were so offended. And I'm like, but you could also seek to understand because people who feel the way I feel, it's, it's really understanding like, what do I mean by leaving a cult? I'm not saying dentistry is like a cult. I'm saying leaving dentistry is like leaving a cult, right? Because you convince yourself to stay in. Yeah. And yeah. and that's all it was. So anyway, I've been in these situations where my opinion is not that popular and that's totally fine. Like now I own it and it's great. Um, and so I wanted to create a space where like there is actually one of my group rules is like when someone says they don't like dentistry, you're not allowed to tell them how much you love it. <laughs> oh gosh, that is so funny. I love that. That's a great group rule, right? Right. Because it's that's actually not rule. helpful. Like if somebody's just saying they don't like it, that's their experience of what's happening and they get to experience that. It's amazing to me because it's hilarious because people, someone will put a post up and then someone will comment and they'll be like, oh, I love dentistry. It's been so good to me. And it's like, no one asked you and you're making that person feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting that you mentioned that because, um, you know, when I think about during my transition out of clinical practice, I, I also felt a lot of shame talking about it with my friends that were dentists, non-dentists, whatever, right. Close friends and family. They probably thought it was a little weird, but whatever. But my friends that were dentists, I felt a little squeamish talking about, you know, I'm actually considering, you know, stopping clinical practice. And, um, And, you know, part of that I think comes from kind of like what you're talking about. Like you, you could say, you know, I I don't want to do this and then be met with opinions of like, oh, but you should because of, you know, all these reasons. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah. 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 Uh, You know, right. And so it's sort of like, okay, but that's not actually that helpful. Like uh, we're not trying to get convinced back into it. Right. So, um, So interesting. That's so fascinating. I love that. Well, so tell me, um, well, actually before I go there, I'm, I, you know, I, one of the recurring things that's coming up for me, just as I'm hearing you speak and as I'm kind of thinking of my own experience is really that there's no shame whatsoever in just asking yourself, am I burnt out? What is it that I am experiencing right now? There's no shame in deciding that whatever the status quo is, doesn't work for you. Um, there's no shame in deciding that you want something different, whether that is staying in dentistry and changing your situation or getting out of dentistry. Um, and then of course there's no shame in deciding that you want help, you know, and that is, you know, Laura, you help people in these situations, as do I. And, you know, there's tons of coaches available to help. And, um, you know, I guess I'm I'm curious as we kind of wrap things up, is there anything, any last pearl or nugget of wisdom that you want to share with, with listeners? No pressure. <laughs> totally, totally. I'm going to actually go off on what you said about the shame. Um, because that was probably the biggest barrier that I had to work through. Is I felt ashamed for so many years because I was like, 
what's wrong with me? Why can't everyone else handle the stress and I can't? Maybe I'm lazy. Maybe I don't like to work. Like, what is this about and about me? And and because so my favorite Brene Brown quote is isolation breeds shame. And, and I love it because that's what was happening to me because I couldn't talk about it. When I went to CE events, I remember for one time trying to open up to someone about it and saying, well, no, I'm really actually don't like this. And it was two people and they were like, really? Why? Just what you were saying, right? Why? Oh my gosh. You like, we love it. Like, why don't, you know, Yeah. and people look at you like you have 10 heads. So you're like, I'm just going to not tell anyone. So yeah. for years, it you're like, it's like living in the closet. You know, I had my secret and that isolation was not helpful at all. Yeah. Um, and then to, to kind of like the other part of her quote is that empathy kills shame. Mm. The minute my blog post went viral mm -hmm. and I started hearing from others who felt the same way, it was like, Oh mm. wow. Okay. It's so validating. So if anyone is isolated in this feeling, like connect with others, because there is a community of people out there who, whether you're burnt out and you love what you do, or whether you're burnt out and you hate what you do, yeah, there are people out there and like getting that connection with people who get you yeah. will change everything and give you possibilities. Yes. I love that so much. Seeking connection. I think you're spot on. You're so spot on because it's, it's really easy to feel isolated and, you know, without a sense of community or a place, you know, and I, I will also add community doesn't have to be thousands of people, right? Community can be a handful, one or two, anybody that you really feel like you can be really vulnerable with. And then for sure, if there are even more, many more people that are feeling similarly that you can come to the table with and have open and honest conversation with fabulous, right? It's just going to help. Absolutely. Yeah, for Game sure. Changer. For sure. For sure. I love that so much. Well, I, I think it's amazing. It's nothing short of amazing that you've created such an amazing um, supportive community of like-minded people that are really seeking that kind of support and, um, and so, yeah, I just want to give you a lot of credit for creating that and for the work that you do, because it really is inspiring. And, you know, it, I think it's really changing the possibilities for dentists, right? Because we're learning how to be able to work and practice on our own terms. Again, whether it's staying in clinical practice, whether it's staying in the field of dentistry, but not seeing patients in the same way. I mean, there actually are so many options. The options are unlimited. That's probably the last thing I want to add is that, you know, just that notion of there's only one way to practice dentistry. You know, you, be, you maybe do a GPR and then you become an associate and then you're, you know, buy or partner into some practice. And then you were, you practice 35 years and then you retire and then maybe you travel and have fun and then you die. It's like, there's actually a, a million different options for how you live your one life. <laughs> totally. So, you know, let's get creative and let's listen to what, uh, what really sings to our, or makes our soul sing. <laughs> I don't know how to say that, but you get what I'm saying. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you so, so much for joining me in this conversation. Um, tell the listeners how they can find you. Okay. And before I do, cause I don't always get the chance thank you. Thank you, Natanya, for creating this space 
And you're helping so many people in the same realm as well. And thank you. I'm honored to be here with you. So thanks for inviting me on your podcast. Okay, so how can people find me? That was the question, right? Yes. And I'll link link everything in the show notes. So if yeah. any listener is driving, you don't have to like freak out. To- okay, cool. Yeah. So um, we don't want anyone to get in trouble driving. Yeah. So um, my Facebook group is called Dentist Side Gigs. And that's a great way to connect. Um, if you are an Instagram person, it's Dr. Lolabees. So D-R Lolabees. And if you want to connect and like, I, I mean, I've got years of blogging about my journey into and out of dentistry. You can find my blog at lolabeescareercoaching.com. But if you really can't remember that, you just do a Google search for 10 reasons your dentist hates you. And, and it doesn't even have to be the right title. It'll come up. I love that so much. It's so good. <laughs> That's the best. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much. I'm positive that um, the listeners today have have enjoyed and gotten something really good from, from today's episode. So thanks again for joining me and all right, that's it for today, everybody. Bye.